The following talk was given at Mile High Church in Lakewood, Colorado. Please visit our website at milehighchurch.org. We're in a, a second part of a two-part series that we started last week called Wanderlusting More Than Just a Road Trip. It's a spiritual road trip. We have various pieces up here to indicate a road trip, a, an old-fashioned gas uh, tank thing up there, uh, uh, you know, those things you fill the car up, you know? <laughs> uh, stoplight, some other signs to help us on the journey. And um, we started last week with a story about how my wonderful husband, Ken, and I were headed out on a road trip from here to Phoenix in the spring. We were going to a family reunion for his side of the family, and we had all sorts of events planned. And along the way, we had some adventures I'll talk about. And just as we were about to arrive in Phoenix, we got a phone call that my mother was going into the hospital and was having a health challenge. And so this changed the trajectory of our trip quite a bit. And we went and supported her and she's now well and doing well. She's actually been here all month. She's here today, uh, someplace here in the community. And so welcome. I'm glad she's here doing well. And my stepfather's with her. He's doing well. And so we're glad they're in good health. And this whole experience that happened along the way and while we were there really got me thinking. And I began to contemplate the metaphor for the many journeys that we launch in our lives, the many journeys we go on towards things we want to create, the trips we take, the destinations we have rise up in our life, and, and decided to use some of the elements of our journey to support us in being more conscious, conscientious, and aware on the journeys of our life. So last week was titled Departure, and we talked about some major things like departure decisions, where you're going, who's, who's with you, and all that kind of thing. We talked about guidance and how we're deeply guided on every journey we take, and we talked a little bit also about staying on track, about how we can use some principles like keystone habits to help us create habits in our life on a regular basis so so that when we launch on a journey and we need to create new habits, we have these keystone habits in place. So I encourage you, if it feels of service to you, to go out and find that talk online on our website or on our Facebook page or go to the store today and you can get a CD copy of it if it would serve you for a love offering. I think they do that. So that was yet last week. This week, our title is Arrival. And so I really want to lean into uh, some more about while we're on the journey and how to increase the chances of arriving where we say we want to be in a way that is powerful and magnificent. And so in order to continue the metaphor for this, I want to firstly talk about um, the journey itself a little bit more clearly for me, as I was meditating this week, I really got absolutely clear that part of my motivation for wanting to do this message and, and to do this series is that we get so myopically focused sometimes on results, on the end product, and forget, we are tempted to forget, and philosophers and teachers throughout the ages have reminded us that the journey is just as important, if not more important, than the outcome. And so who we're being on the journey of life itself and on the individual journeys that we're taking is so important. Drake said, sometimes it's your journey that teaches you a lot about your destination. 
And as I meditated on this, I, I started discovering and seeing all these journeys that I've been on in my life. I have fond memories of my mother putting me on the bus from here to go to Salida when I was too young to drive because I wanted to go visit my grandparents in Salida for some weeks during the summer. And sitting on the bus, looking out the window and taking in the beauty of Colorado, the green and nature serving me so much. And it seems like that window was like a point in existence that my soul would just soak up the beauty of nature. And so even though I got to my my destination just fine, the journey there was a huge part of getting there and, and being in joy. And throughout my life, other journeys that I've been on, the journey to go into practitioner training and the journey to become a practitioner, the journey to become a minister, the journey becoming a parent, the, the journey in all relationships, the journey of being a daughter, the journeys of getting setting goals and achieving them or setting goals and not achieving them. All these journeys that are meaningful and points along the way, just like looking out the window on that bus that have absorbed themselves into my soul and become a part of who I am. And it's important for us to pay attention, to be as conscious, awake, and aware on the journeys of our life. Our powerful teacher and founder, Dr. Ernest Holmes, one of my favorite quotes, he says to us in reminding us about manifesting the things that we want, life can only do for us what it can do through us. And so that's part of why we pay attention in this teaching to our consciousness, to our awareness, to where we're placing our attention and intention. That is why these points along the journey are so important because as we encounter the things we encounter on our journeys and draw conclusions about them, get emotions come up about them, have thoughts about them, when those go unchecked or unaware, they become part of the trajectory of the results that we get. I like to think of it like this, a modern example that many of us are familiar with. Let's talk about the search engine Google for a moment. I believe that Google is like the law of attraction. Here's how. Have you ever noticed that when you use the search engine Google and you want to search for something, you have to be pretty precise about what you want, that the results that we get in the search are exact proportion to the words and concepts we put in that little box. So in other words, if I put carrots, I want to look for carrots, the search engine very likely will not turn up results about potatoes, right? It's really precise. And therefore, some of us have a hard time because we want to go to that restaurant where everybody wears hats and we put in the word hats and, you know, vendors come up and and the value of hats and whether hats are in fashion come up, but getting the restaurant where everybody wears hats, you have to be precise. I'm saying to us today that when it comes to creating the experiences we want, the destinations we ultimately want, this law corresponds to you and to me in exact precision as Google. 
that, that in other words, I've tested this out on Google. If you put relation, romantic relationships in the box and then you add the word fear, what you get are all these results about your spouse might be a serial killer, you know, <laughs> uh, the dangers of romantic relationships, right, will just pop right up and you have to kind of face them and go, well, okay, I put fear into the box, so that's what I got, right? If you put romantic relationships and joy, you get all these pictures of people in love and the values of romantic relationships. It's the same for you and me. If you're on a destination towards a romantic relationship, but your past experience and what you've got on board in consciousness is fear or this obsession about being unlovable or obsession about not being good enough or obsession about how it didn't work in the past and you don't deal with that and heal that and find a way to smooth out that energy, guess what your next partner is going to be a manifestation of? Yeah, romantic relationship, but fear and not good enough will be reflected back to us. So it behooves us on all of our destinations and in all of our life experience to recognize that the universe, God, the source, this law is that precise with us. We know there's no computer geek sitting back in the background going, well, I know they really don't want to have fear in their relationship, so I'll just change. That's not how it works, is it? It's a, it's a bunch of information in bites that meet all the information that's out there, and our consciousness is the same. So as we're on these journeys in our life and we're moving forward today, the things that I want to talk about have to do with some of the subtleties of the journey, the energy that's below the surface of some of our important behaviors and and modes of being that may not always serve us, that we want to watch out for and pay attention In the words, I love Melissa Etheridge, and she has a song that she sings. She has many beautiful songs, but these lyrics in one song, she says, our power ends precisely where our fear begins. Our power ends precisely where our fear begins. We want to be powerful in the creating of our life, but a lot of times we're tempted to let our fears and our lower energy go unchecked, unchallenged, undealt with. And then the results we get don't match what we say we want. And so I am calling us into powerful journeys, conscious journeys in our life. The first thing I want to talk about then to help us consider that as we use this this law has to do with being patient with the pauses. I have noticed in my own life sometimes and in the life of people that I encounter in my daily life, we sometimes are really in a hurry. Even when we don't need to be in a hurry, right? I, was, I, I, was, I admit that when we were on that road trip and towards the end when we got that call about my mom, I wanted to hurry to be with her. I wanted to hurry to help figure out what was going on. And yet what we recognized is that by being in a hurry and adding that hurried energy, we're not a safe 
as a driver. Uh, we, aren't in, we aren't being fully present to the journey because, because sometimes below the surface of hurry, a lot of times, is fear. It's like, I need to get there fast and I'm afraid, all at the same time. And it makes us more dangerous. Not only on the road, because I notice sometimes I hurry on the road and try to get ahead of people, even when I don't need to. It's like, why are you in a hurry? You're just going to Starbucks to get a coffee, for gosh sakes, you know? (laughs) For the 14th time today. (laughs) Maybe that's contributing to that. Too much caffeine. Write that down, really. (laughs) So being patient with the pauses. I, lo- I always find it fascinating when people head off on a road trip, a vacation, and then they're in, a, they're in such a hurry to get to their destination. You know, yes, kids, we're going to be driving for two days and there will be no stops. No stops. No stops whatsoever. We don't want to stop. You know, don't make me turn this sanctuary around. <laughs> like that. And so we're sometimes in such a hurry. Sometimes it's a matter of styles, but it's also sometimes a matter of habit. My husband, Ken, he's, he's prone, I think, to want to drive someplace and just drive straight through and not stop. And I wanted to stop and, like, sleep in a bed in a hotel. He probably would have pitched a tent on the side of the road or slept in the car and just got a little few hours of sleep and then back on the road again. But I wanted a hotel with a bed and maybe a swimming pool or a hot tub and, you know, roughing it for me as a hotel without room service, for gosh sake. So we, we had to figure that one out and we did. So we, we had a nice experience in hotels in Colorado, beautiful. And then along the way, he wanted to stop at Four Corners, and I didn't want to stop at Four Corners. I've been there before, been there, done that, got the t- He wanted, so I thought, well, okay, he wants to stop. So that day, it was really hot, really hot. And it, it was, we could tell by being in the car, it was kind of windy. But when we got out of the car, it was really windy. I mean, the kind of wind where my hair was like this the whole time. And, and to get to the four corners, you're like walking like this through the wind. And surprisingly, there weren't very many people there. <laughs> and so it was, we got to the four corners area and there were a few people. We took pictures for them and they took pictures for us. And I sat down in the middle of the four corners and meditated so I could say I meditated in four states at once. (laughs) Yeah, it was great. And then we kind of wandered around, and as we were heading back to the car, the wind got so intense that it kept like almost knocking me over. It was that intense. I think we have a picture here of me holding on to a post with the the wind. (laughs) The wind was blowing me. And, And pretty soon we were responding just like you are. We were just laughing. This trip that I was like, I don't want to stop, became this hilarious, can you believe how crazy this is trip. We got back in the car, we got back on the road, and that trip became one of the uh, highlights. That stop became one of the highlights of the trip. And I recognize, and I call us to realize that sometimes on the journey of our lives, the pauses have some gift for us. The pauses can rejuvenate us. The pauses can inspire us because they're filled with spontaneity and synchronicity. They're often filled with an an invitation to lighten up and laugh at ourselves and just be at peace. Just like Lauren's song, be still, be at peace. 
This journey is not worth hurrying for. No journey is worth hurrying for. And underneath that hurry can be that fear of competition. I need to get there before it's all gone. Fear of lack. I need to get there before everybody else so that I can be the first one to get my seat or I can be the first one to show everybody. It can be fear at times. And so allowing ourselves to not let the fear be part of the, in the, the manifestation and the impetus of the journey is so important for us. We know when we hurry to get a project done or we hurry to get something done that we're prone to mistakes, we're prone to not seeing the full picture, we're prone to missing things. So slowing down, embracing the pauses. And somewhat related has to do with this sign, detour. Does this sign strike fear into the heart of your journey? I mean, I know sometimes when I'm driving along the road, roads I'm familiar with are out on a road trip, I see this sign and I go, oh no, a detour. (sighs) Big drama, right? And so... There are detours that occur. Have you noticed on the journey? On the journey towards our good, there are detours. There are obstacles. There are things and people who get in our way and seem to stop us along the way. Here's a thing that I think is really important for us to understand about the intentionality with which we pursue a journey or a destination because who we are at every level of our being, the conscious desire to move towards that thing and the unconscious or not always recognizable consciously energy of our being is there. When we choose a destination, our deepest, most heartfelt dream We have to be a match for that in consciousness, just like when we put the search in, the Google, right? To be a match for that means that anything unlike that in who we say we are has to show itself for us to really have that good. Sometimes that's why we are on a journey towards our greater good and obstacles arise The gift in that, if we're willing to be aware of it, is that by how we feel when that obstacle shows up, by what we say, by the energy that inhabits us the minute that obstacle shows up, it is a gift that shows us this is still what is left unhealed within you in order to get what you say you want. It's not the universe trying to trick you or keep you from your good, or keep you from having what you want. It's you responding to you saying, in order to have the love of my life, I got to heal this part of me that still thinks it's not good enough to have that. In order to have my dream job, I've got to heal the part of me that's still angry at that last boss. In order to have that financial abundance, I've got to heal the part of me that is angry at all the other people who seem to have it and I don't. That's the gift of it. How we feel when we get stopped shows us what we need to heal. 
But what can happen to us a lot of times is that obstacle comes, we have anger, pissosity, and frustration about it. <laughs> Dr. Michael Beckwith created that word. I don't And then we don't consciously deal with it. We push it down. We say, well, I want to be a good science of mind person. I don't want that. And we just push it down. It doesn't go away. Pushing it down doesn't make it go away. It just makes it a part of the energy that we continue to move forth with. So we have to master the art of dealing with our stuff when the obstacles show up, of dealing with our stuff when we don't get what we want, when it's not going our way, when we don't like what we see. We won't ever change it by continuing to bemoan that or push it down. And I sense in our hearts, in our souls, in our consciousness, that each one of us wants the life that we want to live in our own journey, and we want a life on planet Earth for all of our brothers and sisters, and we are all a part of co-creating that. So each one of us then, and part of the work of this community and why it's so important now to be in a community, whether it's this one or another church or a small group or a group of friends, to help each one of us say, I have stuff. I know I do. And I need help to deal with it, to be with it, to, to smooth it out when it shows up. I would love it if I could live a life where when my own voice shows up that's uh, the obstacle voice or the voice of fear or the voice of victimhood that I could welcome it and say, oh, I'm so glad you're here today. (laughs) That's the life I think that we can live because we get to understand it's an opportunity when my stuff shows itself to me. And one of the places that we have to be willing to see in our life that we don't want to see is what I'm calling the habituated voice of victimhood. The habituated voice of victimhood. Now, I know we have all had obstacles in the form of people, conditions, systems, communities, get in our way and keep us from the good we want. We've had them get in our way and harm us physically, emotionally, in some way, shape, or form. We've had that happen. We've seen, we're seeing it happen oftentimes in the collective news of the world and our hearts go out and our compassion uplifts and we want things to be different. We want things to change. And a huge part of that is understanding that voice of victimhood. Richard Bach in his book, Illusions, says, argue for your limitations and they're yours. And I'm saying today, argue for your victimhood and it's yours. There comes a point in the journey and each one of us gets to know when that is for ourselves where we say to ourselves, and I think part of it is being willing to recognize it in small ways and in the big ways. I'm so grateful for the times when I go, wow, I can hear the 
self-talk right now. It's trying to talk me into victimization. It's trying to talk me into how they're out to get me. Nobody likes me. Nobody loves me. I'm not good. I can hear that voice. And I can either give into it and let it have its way with me, or I can say, I understand. I hear that voice. And I'm going to bring compassion and love. And I'm going to say, Michelle... Let's take a deep breath and what's the truth? Or if it comes out in strong emotions and tears and sadness and pain and suffering, I'm going to go find help. I'm going to go. Last week I talked about seeing my practitioner. I'm going to call my prayer partner. I'm going to call my therapist. I'm going to call my mommy. I'm going to talk to my husband. I'm I'm going to... Do something more. I'm going to allow that emotionality and those thoughts to be a trigger for me to say, I have some healing work to do. Rather than to say, well, see how horrible it is out there? See? See? Because that is how I can move towards the trajectory of my own desires more greatly. And I think it's how we collectively move towards that. And there are teachers throughout the ages All the spiritual teachers of all the great religions and traditions have at some level or another had to manage the sense of victimization that they experienced or their followers experienced and find a way to transcend it through recognizing that the God that is the source of us all is bigger, stronger, more powerful than that victim voice. Right? I saw a meme this week that said, hey, here's the deal. Faith and fear require us to place our attention on something we can't see. You choose. Choose. So when it comes to this this potential victimhood that we might want to fall into and just feel completely beat up by, I'm saying that on the journey, one of the stepping stones might be the choice to deal with that voice consciously and conscientiously and to begin to place our faith in something that may be hard to see in a lot of situations and conditions, which is source, God. Master teacher Jesus, he did that all of his life. He did that even through his own death. Had to place his faith and called all of his followers, place your faith in that which is greater than us all. And that's part of what I talked about last week, that guidance system, that there's something in each one of us, moving through each one of us that is guiding us and calling us and helping us to see the mirror of our inner life so that we can be with it and deal with it. And this is part of the secret of manifesting the good we desire. Potential victims become victors. People who are afraid become willing to step forward and have courage People who have believed all their life that they weren't good enough begin to do the work to understand that the God in them is good enough for any good that they desire. People find a way to transcend the small voice into the larger picture. 
That's the stuff that dreams are made of. That's the stuff that allows a group of people to become enlightened citizens and go out and inspire the world and call the world into its greater good. That's who we are and who we can be if we're willing in every day, in every way, to pay attention and to do this holy, sacred work on the journey of life. And then, as we move forward and see more of that good begin to manifest and come about in our life or in the greater life around us, we learn that the final point is to take time to have a rival celebration. I think sometimes... We're too blasé. We've worked long and hard towards some greater good and out of a need to not seem so braggadocious or something, we say, well, it's no big deal. Yeah, I, 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 I manifested my dream. It's no big deal. <laughs> or we're in a hurry. Check. Manifested a relationship. Now, what's next? We just... We just don't allow ourselves to celebrate. Or we arrive at some great good and then we stand there poised hoping that everybody else notices and gives us lots of kudos and pats on the back for the good thing we've created, which might happen. But a huge part of the journey of life is learning to, to celebrate our own triumphs, no matter how big or how small. The triumph of a day where I managed my inner voice. The triumph of a day where I did my keystone habits. The triumph of a day where I forgave. The triumph of a day where I manifested some good thing. The triumph of a day where something happened and even the littlest bit of my dream came true. The triumph of celebrating the good. Dr. Marjorie used to constantly remind us, Marjorie Stom, one of our longtime ministers here, very dear to many of us, to look for the good and praise it. She used to say that all the time. And while that can seem somewhat cliché, It's so important for us as we move forward on this journey of life. And when it comes to celebrating our accomplishments, often we are the only ones who can do that for us. We are the only ones who can look in the mirror at the end of the day and say, you did good today. And that feels great. And then it allows all the other accolades that come and pats on the back from that which appears to be the other out there to be the icing on the cake. To be like the extra good that showed up. Oh, someone noticed. Isn't that sweet? But what's important is that you noticed your triumphs. Because that becomes a part of the energy that we create. When we acknowledge our triumphs and allow ourselves to see the good we're doing, the good we're being, the good we're accomplishing in the world, we get more of it. We create more of it. We generate more of it. Everywhere we go, it's an atmosphere of who we are and what we bring to our relationships and our workplace and our collective life experience. It's a vital, important part of building the life that we dream of. And I want to leave us with those beautiful words from Henry David Thoreau, who calls us into being conscious on the journey of our life when he says, I learned this at least by my experiment. 
That if one advances confidently in the direction of his dreams and endeavors to live the life which he has imagined, he will meet with a success unexpected in common hours. That is what I think is available to us when we live this teaching this way, when we choose to live consciously every step of the journey. Thank you for listening to the Mile High Church podcast. This podcast is made possible by the generous contributions from listeners like you. If you'd like to make a donation, text 720-230-1404 or visit us at milehighchurch.org. Peace out, friends.